Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. The email is Pete at the Pete show.com where Mark says, Pete, this is uh, my be- this is your best show yet. Rock on. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it, Mark. Although, well, I think I do. I thought I did a pretty good one yesterday. Anyway, uh, Gary on the Twitter machine at Pete Callender says, Pete, there is a badge to being a victim now, it seems. But also, if you grow up and people tell you are a victim constantly, then you will think you are a victim. Right. Exactly. There are different ways people adopt this victimhood mentality, this tendency for interpersonal victimhood, or TIV. And I think I think Tony was trying to read something into whatever it is that I was presenting. Tony called at the end of the last hour. I enjoy talking with Tony. I, I, I enjoy talking with people uh, that disagree with me, as long as they're not, you know, trolls or jerks. They're not getting, you know, getting personal and nasty and aggressive. I'm fine to talk with anybody. Um, and so, uh, you know, Tony kept, Tony was asking questions about the, the mindset and, and there, there is a belief and that's why I was asking him about the ancestral, uh, trauma, because there is a belief, there is this, uh, there is a, there's, well, parallel tracks, political and I guess, uh, biological or physiological where like trauma gets imprinted into your DNA, and then it gets carried down throughout the generations, which would then mean that everybody has whatever traumas were inflicted on their ancestors millions of years ago, you have some of that in your DNA. And, okay, so we all have victimed DNA, I guess, I don't know. But this is one of the things when your society moves from, uh, like, for example, a, uh, a society that's ordered around honor, right, or chivalry, and it's now ordered around victimhood, where the power comes from who is most aggrieved. This, you know, you know dubbed the oppression Olympics, who, you know, who, who has more reasons to feel oppressed and and. The damaging effects of that mindset that you constantly see yourself as a victim, it then leads you to to go out and collect more and more grievances against more and more people. And every slight gets added to the list like Steve Buscemi was keeping. You know, everybody, everybody gets added to the list for something. From, yeah, from the documentary The Jerk. So, uh, yeah, the guy who attacked the cans, he was shooting at the cans. Anyway, the, the, the point here is that once you start going down that path, it becomes very, very difficult to get off that path. And it's not healthy. And there is this, this uh, political reward. There's a benefit system that has been constructed around this mindset. And it's, it's kind of terrifying. And I also wonder if... We have created this society. You're going to talk about like all oh, why are there so many mass shootings and all this stuff? Gee, might be a whole lot of grievance collectors nowadays.
Anyway, we got an update on the uh, Speaker of the North Carolina House, Tim Moore, and the allegations made against him by an estranged, uh, soon-to-be ex-husband of Tim Moore's girlfriend. I don't know if they use the term girlfriend. Have they said that yet? Have they? uh, I don't know. But uh, he made his first public remarks. He sat down for an interview with Nick Oxner about it. I've got the audio. Um, I, I said this the other day. I have questions. I had a lot of questions. I'm reserving judgment on all of it because I don't know. And I know that there are leftists that are like, oh, yeah, they're just saying that because he's a Republican. No, no. Um, I know enough about divorce proceedings and such and like the just the havoc and the wreckage of those things. People accuse each other of awful, awful things. I did a lot of work about uh, 20 years ago right here on WBT when I was a reporter. I met with a lot of families that were having a lot of problems with DSS. And there is a lot of ugliness and lies the stuff that parents say against each other when they're fighting over their kids or trying to harm their their spouse that they have you know that they've turned on or has turned on them people do crazy things so i don't know all the details i i said this the other day i i got questions now one of the things um all right so for brief recap you've got scott lassiter and his uh wife jamie um they have been apparently having some marital problems for a while. Um, and around Christmas last year, he followed her when she said she was going out to see a movie. Um, and he followed her and she didn't go to a movie. She went out to eat with House Speaker Tim Moore. And so Scott took a picture of them leaving Sullivan Steakhouse and then went back to his place, went back to Speaker Moore's place. Uh, they were there for a couple hours doing I don't know what. And then she went home. But it was very late in the morning. And Scott Lasseter confronted her as to where she had been. And that's when, according to his complaint, because he filed a lawsuit against Tim Moore, alleging alienation of affection. So remember, anybody could sue anybody for anything, basically. Okay? You find a lawyer willing to file the complaint, you could do it. You could do it yourself if you can't even find a lawyer. So alienation of affection is very difficult to prove. You basically have to figure out a way to prove that you were in this loving relationship with your spouse until somebody came along and did a series of things to drive a wedge between you and your spouse and woo them away from you. And to hear Tim Moore say it and to hear Jamie Lasseter say it, that did not happen, that she was already estranged from her husband. And to me, this is the key. They had a separation agreement. They had a signed separation agreement and that means signed by them both now what i don't understand is why she did not or her lawyer because she put out a statement and uh, and why she and her lawyer did not say when that signed separation agreement occurred because that would go a long way into clearing up what happened around christmas time which prompted the the lawsuit Right? If there's some signed separation agreement going back three years, two years, because she says we've had a we've been separated with a signed separation document for years. Okay. How many years? What was the date on that? And so he's claiming that 
he had heard rumors beforehand and all of this, but this is when he confronted his wife about it. She admitted to it. And this is the thing that this does not square. So like to me, like this is a this is a bright line. There's a demarcation here between somebody lying and somebody not. And it is this story where he confronts her. She says, I've been having this affair. And there's been and he's, he and I have been forced to participate in it to keep my job. And then they say we're going to counseling, but she is unwilling to stop seeing the Speaker of the House f- because she doesn't want to jeopardize her job. Now, I don't know what your relationship is like with your wife, but I'm not buying this. If she said it, I'm not buying it. And if he's and if this is what his story is, I'm not buying it. Like I like this does not seem real. It just does not seem like a real excuse somebody would come up with. Right? Why would you say, "Oh, I want to save the marriage. Let's go to counseling, but I'm going to continue sleeping with this person and having affairs." That's going to that's going to continue. So if she's demanding an open marriage, but then that all that that also means then that he's she's not being leveraged into the relationship for the job, no? Or is that the job is just so fantastic? I can't find another job anywhere like it. It's my understanding they live in a very wealthy neighborhood. I don't know whose wealth. Like that, like is it fa- is it family wealth or something? But yeah, I. I I just can't see. Uh, sorry, honey. I have to keep having the affairs in order to keep my job. <laughs> That's not. That is not a believable excuse. Uh, it just it is not. We'll take a listen to the Speaker of the House's interview with uh, Nick Oxner from WBTV in a moment. Oh, hey, real quick. Before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? All right, so here's the audio from the interview between uh, Nick Oxner and House Speaker Tim Moore about uh, the allegations. I don't know if I'm going to be able to play the whole thing. Well, we can play some of it. Well, I've had, of course, a number of conversations with my colleagues and then had the conversations in the caucus today, and I simply addressed head-on the allegations that were in the lawsuit, uh, the things that were ridiculous and denied. Uh, but I also told them that when it came to, to Miss Laster that, you know, uh, she's separated, I'm, I'm a divorced man, and that we had had a casual relationship for some time uh, that, uh, you know, about the situation in December that was alleged where we had dinner together. Uh, We did, uh, where we spent time thereafter. Uh, And then where I actually met with uh, her estranged husband a few days later, where I acknowledged to him the same thing, as well as my understanding the entire time that they were in fact separated. All right, so he he acknowledges, yeah, met the guy at Biscuitville. So I got to ask him, like, what did you get? Do you remember? Did you get biscuits? Because that seems like the natural go-to at Biscuitville. Um, 
So that's their that's their uh, their counter here to this allegation that he's a home wrecker. That Tim Moore is a home wrecker, right? No, your home was wrecked, and he says they had a casual relationship. I don't, I don't know if that's. I mean, Tim Moore is an attorney, so I I, I got to believe he knows the words that he's choosing, right? He's a he's a skilled and deft politician. He's the Speaker of the House. I think the longest serving Speaker of the House now. So. I don't think he used that word incorrectly or inadvertently, let me say. Um, I don't think, in other words, like, I don't think he was trying to say consensual and just said casual. But maybe, because it just seemed like a weird, but maybe not. But they had a casual relationship. It was, you know, so we're not, like, going steady. We're not boyfriend-girlfriend or anything. We're not serious, I guess. I don't know. So he meets with the guy's husband, which to me, like, ah. Bring a recorder, you know, <laughs> definitely and get somebody sitting at, an, at another table and uh, with a smartphone recording this thing or an undercover camera because you want whatever's happening. You want it on the record for for your own insurance purposes, you know, got a message here to Pete at the Pete dot com from Bob, who says, Tim Moore, just another arrogant politician. What do I always say? Say, do not fall in love with politicians. They will break your heart. I mean, I, I was actually speaking like metaphorically there. But, I mean, I usually am. I, and I have made the point, like, you know, that's not to say, like, you can fall in love with the person who happens to be a politician. You get married and all of that. But, like, just from a constituent point, of, okay, I'm just going to stop talking. All right. Um, here is the, uh, here's the next question from Nick Oxner, WBTV, chatting with the Speaker of the House, Tim Moore. I think the news value and the newsworthiness of this lawsuit is that it specifically alleges you used your position of power as Speaker of the House to maintain a relationship with this woman who is a state employee. How do you respond to that? Utterly false. It's a complete lie. And in fact, I think that Ms. Laster's statement that she issued, a very strong statement, made it very clear that that wasn't the case. And in fact, if you look at her statement she issued, in fact, you, you reported on that. She said the only person that ever threatened her or tried to intimidate her was her estranged husband. You know, this is apparently a, turned into a nasty divorce. And, uh, you know, this is now where, you know, folks start slinging mud and, and I've been drawn into this. Regardless of the veracity of the lawsuit and the allegations in the lawsuit, this obviously has created a distraction for you and, and for the legislature at a critical moment as the budget negotiations are going on, a couple major bills are going on. How are you going to be able to continue to focus on your job as speaker while the allegations continue to swirl? You know, it is absolutely horrible. I'm being attacked in a very malicious way unfairly with untrue statements uh, some of these outrageous uh, salacious comments about sexual things and all that are just outrageous um, it, it's it not only impacts me you know in terms of what I'm doing but I mean just a huge personal thing this is this is an issue for you know my sons uh, for my man to have to go through this to have to hear these things being said out there I mean it's just it's outrageous so I'm going to defend myself, but I also have a job to do for the House, you know, for the House of Representatives as the Speaker of the House. You know, we're in the final weeks of session. Uh, we're working to get a budget finalized. We've got a lot of other legislation to get passed, and I am dedicated 100% to making sure that we get that done, and we will. Uh, but at the same time, I'm going to fully fight 
Uh, we're going to be filing a reply to this lawsuit as well as a counterclaim, oh. a countersuit. Oh. Uh, and, and I'm going like to I'm going to vigorously defend myself, but I also have the job at hand, as you point out. We'll get it done. So your constituents should in the the taxpayers of North Carolina should feel like you are paying attention and on the ball and your job is House Speaker. Absolutely. I'm not going to let this pull me away from the job that I need to do. I mean, we are in critical weeks right now and you know, I'm spending a lot of time here working and I'm going to continue to do that. We're going to get the job done. Uh, the lawsuit also contains allegations and pictures of someone that, you know, allegedly was hired by you to place a video camera at Mr. Lasser's house. Did you hire someone to do that? Did not hire anyone. Don't know who the man is. Uh, I imagine that will come out at some point, but uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I didn't do it, and I'm ready for that information to get out there as well. So you believe that if this were to ever go to court, the evidence will show that all of these allegations are all false? Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you, well, the, the allegation that I had a relationship with, with Ms. Laster, no, I've admitted that that's, that's true, but I thought it was appropriate because she was separated and I'm divorced. Uh, but all the other stuff, all the salacious stuff that people are talking about, absolutely 100% false. And I look forward to my day in court and I also look forward to the response that we're going to be filing. You know, I wish I could say even more. Uh, I'm, I'm being very transparent in these interviews. I'm not hiding or anything on it. Uh, but it's, but the, the deal is when there's a lawsuit, you know, you've got attorneys, you've got to work with them, you've got to, you've got to go through the process on it. But I'm looking forward to getting my filings out there, my countersuit, and having my, having my day in my say. And so you don't know who the man in, the, in those pictures are? In no case. idea who the man is. No idea. I guess in the last question, should your constituents still trust you after reading this lawsuit? What would your message be to the people that elected you to this office? My message to my constituents, just like to my colleagues, is I'm addressing this head on. These allegations about this crazy conduct, these allegations about using the office are patently false. They're lies. Uh, you know, anybody can say anything about anybody. That's the sad thing in, in the world today and the sad thing in politics. But you know what? I'm going to defend myself and, uh, and, and have my day in court, and, and I think the process will work out fine. All righty. So what, uh, what, one of the things that was not asked, I would uh, be curious to know, is that during the meeting at Biscuitville, I mean, besides what did they order, but more importantly, near the end of the meeting, according to the original lawsuit, near the end of the meeting, defendant Tim Moore asked the estranged husband, Scott Lassiter, asked him, quote, on a completely unrelated note, end quote, if there was anything he could do for the plaintiff, implying he could use the power he held as speaker in some way to benefit the plaintiff. Plaintiff angrily told defendant, that he did not want any political favors. I would, I would like to know about that exchange. Because that can be read either way, right? Either the way that the, this guy, Scott Lasseter, has alleged it, like, hey, uh, is there anything else I can do for you? Wink, wink, I can you know, make this uh, beneficial for you. Something like that, you know, a quid pro quo, you go away. Or is it... Look, man, I don't know what else to tell you. You know, like, you know, she's she said she's separated from you. You are legally separated. You have this agreement. You know, I'm divorced. I, you know, I understand it's difficult for you. You know, look, is there anything I is there anything I can do? Like, you could also be offering that up in the you know in a in a non-hostile or non-bribey kind of way, right? 
And I don't know. Or it didn't even happen. That's possible, too. It just didn't even happen. So I would like, you know, some, uh, I'd like some clarification on that, too. But anyway, we'll see. I just saw uh, he sat for an interview with, uh, I think it's, it's either Danielle Battaglia or Dawn Vaughn. Uh, well, I think Dawn is up in, uh, she might be up in D.C. now. Anyway, so he's he's doing interviews. He's making the rounds. So it'll uh, it'll come out. Maybe I'll get him back on. I don't know. Just mm. all right. Now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouches is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouches. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. This is Abdul. Welcome to the program. Abdul, what's going on? How are you, Pete? Hey, I'm going. I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, I have a, uh, a challenge for you. I think that Ooh. America is closer to becoming a fascist country than we will ever be close to becoming a socialist country. Oh, is that the challenge? Yeah, well, I mean, do you, would you like to know why I say that? Sure. Okay, well, the basic definition of fascism is a political movement of nationalism, materialism, and supremacy of the, both the nation and a single powerful leader over the individual citizen. And what I see that we have sitting in front of us right now, in fact, we were actually one election away from being in that situation by way of having elected Donald Trump. And he's top, top dog right now amongst the Republican primary candidates. And all he needs is one more, one more term in there, and we will become a fascist country, without a doubt. Right. No, that's what you believe. Well, uh, it's not just what I believe. What's sitting on the horizon that brings me to that conclusion is, you know, when Donald was running, there's a couple of things he said that kind of you could insert other things in it that other dictators or authoritarians, authoritarian wannabes did. For example, he comes down the escalator. He says Mexicans are sending the criminals and rapists. Now, you could insert Jews in there. Um, he said they're not sending their best. Yeah. Yeah. He said they're not sending their best and that there are uh, criminals that are crossing the border, which is true. Well, no, he said they're sending them. Yeah. But he could have. He. Why did he use that? Why did he use that group? He could have said he could have taken any other course, but that was purely. I thought you were making the case that he's that that he was a fascist, not a racist. Are you saying I mean, like, no, 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 no. I'm saying he brought up a group because, see, fascism also has that embedded in it that yeah. you have to have a boogeyman. Right. Socialism doesn't have that component at all to get everybody to dislike. Right. But on top of that, he also said in his speeches, a confirmation speech, mm-hmm. uh, I alone can fix it. Mm-hmm. Only dictators and authoritarians say that. Yeah. 
Then he said, while he was campaigning, I could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and my people still support me. Yeah, that's probably true. Only authoritarians say that. And then you can look at all the corrupt things that he's got in front of him right now. Mm -hmm. Whether we want to say is Jesus being picked upon separate from everybody else. Look, you know, if you're a Christian, if you're a person who's about morals and decency, you don't say, well, uh, the other guy did it too, and you didn't do anything to him. Mm-hmm. That's not a standard of high morals. All right, so all right, all right, so hang on. All right, you you have you have made a lot of uh, you've you've delivered a lot of slogans here. I am aware of the talking points of the left. So let let's go back to your original premise, which was that we are closer to becoming a fascist state than a socialist state, closer to fascism than socialism. And I noticed right. that you seem to define these two terms uh, differently, based on what I can only ascertain is a modern uh, political surrogacy. In other words, you're inserting republicanism or conservatism on one side, and you're inserting Democrat and progressive or liberal on the other side. Is that, about, is that fair? Like you're, you're, you're equating the fascists to the conservatives, and you're equating the socialism to the progressives. Nope, because I'm neither one. I'm not saying you are one. I'm asking you... I don't look at it in those terms. Okay, all right. So then, all right. Well, then let me just so let, let me just say this then: fascism and, and socialism are two sides of the same coin. They are both statism. They are both big government. Because you don't a, a single dictator, a single person cannot make an entire population of 350 million people do anything. That that dictator needs the wheels of the state. Right. They need those levers to pull. They need the the force of the government. And that is what fascism does. And it is what socialism does as well. I am a limited government guy. I want to see restraint on the federal government. So I am not one that bangs the drum for people who articulate a, a forceful federal government, especially a forceful executive branch. So that's never been me. Now, that being said, I know you're, you're you're super keyed in on all the things that Donald Trump has said and done about uh, or that leads you to believe that he's the fascist in waiting. I would also submit that, you know, my antenna goes off when I hear authoritarians speak from the left because it's both the same philosophy. In It, it is both big government. It is both statism. But see, there's one difference, Pete, and that is a fascist needs a single powerful leader over the individuals. That's not true. That's not true. Socialism needs that too. I'm I'm totally against that too. Well, they need that too. It takes a whole lot of moving parts. No, it doesn't. Oh, stop it. Abdul, stop. You're trying, Abdul, you are, you are cutting hairs here. I I understand it is, it is uh, currently in fashion. I appreciate the call. I appreciate the discussion. I know it's in fashion on the left to try to, uh, to differentiate fascism from socialism and say they're totally different things. And, you know, Trump is one and socialism isn't going to happen and and fascism totally can. Like we have a Republic if we can keep it right. Let's focus on keeping the Republic. And, and, and saying, oh, it's only going to happen if this one guy gets it. That's garbage. There are a lot of people that can move others to adopt big government.